Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Okay, everybody, the Gramlich and MacLane podcast takeover has commenced here in episode 100. I'm Richmond Weaver, and if you've listened to the podcast before, then you know that I help produce it. And I also host my own podcast, Rich Take on Sports, that I started in 2017, having conversations with various sports personalities about the role and impact of sports in their lives. And I've had the honor of having both Kelly and Eric as guests. And as exciting as that has been to have them as guests, there's another exciting feeling with the release of this episode. It's the 100th episode. Yes! Yes! What a proud moment for KG and Mac. And these two are the ultimate pros pros. But as we all know, life isn't perfect. And as the guy who wants the audio to sound pristine, Nonetheless! There have been some challenges on occasion that take some extra work. So come with me for a little behind the scenes. I know, that's why I said Rich. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry you have to hear me vent. Hello, Richmond. Oh, Richmond. (laughs) I had to breathe. Sorry. My nose is so stopped up. All right, here we go. Uh, I don't know where I left it, Rich. Good luck. Leading the Tar Heels to two. Yikes. Ball from other major sports. Hold on one second. Take a breath. Take a breath. Get some. Get some oxygen. <laughs> Why do I talk so much before I have to do this long read? <laughs> and a link to the podcast, and you guys can interact with us on the Tiger Den. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry, Rich. My voice is dying. I don't know what's wrong with me. Five star review. Right. <laughs> Just read, man. That's all you got to do is read. <laughs> choked on my own spit. All right, here we go. Dang, Rich, you're going to love this episode, dude. All right, here we go. My mic just did a thing. Why doesn't Pitt have a live panther? That's what I'm wondering. Okay. Seems like a missed opportunity. Right. Okay, Rich. What else do you need? Kindness, effort, and passion. That's all you need. I, I just thought he was great. Hold on. Khaki decided to press <laughs> Oh, it's done now. It's, I, that's why I was muting and awkwardly hoping you would keep going. Hold on. One sec. Look. Business has to get done. Khaki has That's right. She, she's making the, the real money That's right. around here. I don't know if they did that, but, uh, you know, that would have been my uh, suggestion there for the blue Duke, for the blue, for the Duke Blue Devils. <laughs> of Graham Lickley, Mac Lane. Sorry. A little saliva build up there. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. Good luck. That's why. I, tra- <laughs> I appreciate why you, like, really breaking that down for us and, and telling us exactly well, I want, what was I going on. I want you to know why I messed Thank up. Thank you. It wasn't because I can't read. It was because of, you know, just extra liquid here. He's playing on Sunday. It's his first Masters back since this horrific energy. Er, energy. Injury. Sorry, Rich. You're going to have to work so hard on this episode. Or ABC on Saturdays. Palomar Junior College. You like how I gave you the hard one this time? I'll go with Remember when you gave me some crazy ass name? Oh, oh. Uh, Big number 88. His name escapes me. I need to find it. (laughs) Yes. 
Rich. Devin Carter. Sorry, Rich. I'm so sorry. You said Devin Carter? Big Devin Carter, number 88. Just just freaky. And you even have it written down. I'm such a failure. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mac, it's all good. <sighs> sorry, Rich. One take last time gets you 12 takes this time. I'm going to just do the whole thing over again. I don't know where I am. One take last time gets you 12 takes this time. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the trade-off. Okay, here we go. I don't even know how you're going to do this, Rich, but you're the best. There's still a major brand in the sport, but Justin Fuente's tenure, uh, tenure. Rich, we are all over the place. Sorry, right, Rich. <clears throat> he was at Alex. Al- <laughs> all right, KG, let's get in to this review. Let's talk a little bit. Little bull. Yeah, that was better on both sides. Perfect. <coughs> Thanks, Rich. All We'd right. Be dead without you. Yeah, literally. Matt, <laughs> oh, here's your superpower. Superpower. Ability to breathe. Ability to breathe and just read what I have written. <laughs> down. Just, I, I don't know why it's so tough. <laughs> Y'all back to back. Get me out of here. <laughs> Woohoo! I just texted Rich. Woo. Okay, I got a roll. Okay, let's do it. Boom. That was fun. Boom. That was a good Boom. one. Boom. All right, Rich, we're going to try that one more time. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Wow. I, I don't really know what to say after those bloopers, Mac. We want to do something special for our 100th episode. And shout out to our producer, Richmond Weaver, who's been collecting some of our bloopers. And I guess my first question, Mac, is like, do you have extra saliva syndrome, <laughs> ESS? Do I, do I need to go see a doctor like ASAP? <laughs> you, you know what I, th- I think the biggest thing is, Kelly, um, <laughs> is the, when sometimes I do the show, I wear my Invisalign. And that's where I think it kills me. Oh, so I think that I didn't even know you had. See, that. that's the great doctor. He he does a great job here for me. Um, I think that that's when it happens the most, and it just gets caught up, and my tongue gets twisted, and then there's a lot of stuff going on in there. And uh, yeah, I think I, th- I think that'll prevent me from going to the doctor. But reading <laughs> glasses for sure need those. I mean, I try to ad lib and make my reads better. And uh, they're good already. Just slow down, man, and have fun. But 100 episodes, KG, did you ever think that we would get here? It's crazy, right? No. Well, it's not like I didn't believe in us, (laughs) Mac. But it is crazy when you record the first one, and then you look back and think, we've done 100. That's something that we would not have been able to wrap our minds around a year ago when we started this thing. And that ends up being, what, 100 hours of talking, of you and I just yapping. (laughs) That's a lot. It's a lot. But But. again, couldn't do it without Rich, our guy, our producer. Richmond, thank you so much for everything. We tell you all the time, but you know, just to to give you some extra love right here. uh, We couldn't do it without you, brother. So very grateful for you and everything you do for us. And make sure, guys, you check out we're posting a little fun um, picture thingy on the social that I just had this idea that maybe, you know, with 100 episodes, we should post something. And emulate a famous person in sports who also did a hundred of something. <laughs> Listen, as our, our as our CMO Kelly, our chief marketing officer, <laughs> you're killing it. You're killing it. She's also a lot of other chief roles. Uh, Nick is our CFO, our chief financial officer. No, that's Khaki. <laughs> oh, Khaki does do all the time. That's right. Dang. I'm sorry, Khaki. Khaki. Nick I'm is, so I would sorry. say, our financial advisor, and there you he's go. always good to say. 
you know, maybe you shouldn't post that. Right. That's like right. One PR. Of his oh, goals. he's PR. He's yeah, our PR, PR guy. Smart. So we have PR, CFO. What is Sam? Sam is the chief interruption officer. <laughs> She's the one that barks when, you know, a fly lands near her or uh, someone bangs on the window or something crazy. She is. One of my favorites in the blooper reel was when Kaki was printing something. You know what? <laughs> that really made me laugh. It, when I heard it, I instantly went right back to that moment and was just staring at like the wall because there's a wall here and I couldn't see her. And I was like, are you kidding me? You know I'm in here. <laughs> she's the best though. To put up with with me sitting in this room talking for a million hours, she's the- A uh, hundred hours. She's the bomb. A hundred. Yeah, not a million. Hours. We're close to a million episodes, but a hundred first. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> All right, let's get to our big four breakdown. We have some very interesting games to pick this week, Eric McLean. And let's start with the Friday night game, Wake Forest at Virginia. This game is tonight. These Friday night games have really delivered so far. When you think of UCF Boise State, when you think of UCF Louisville, and of course, North Carolina Virginia Tech, these games have really delivered. So look, Wake Forest is undefeated, Mac, but this is their first time going away from home all season. Virginia is coming off a really tough loss, but they may have the best player in the entire league, or at least the most productive player in Brennan Armstrong. So just give me your initial thoughts on this one. Yeah, well, for starters, super excited for this game. And the biggest question is, are we going to see, you know, another offensive explosion that we did a week ago, uh, you know, when UVA traveled down to Chapel Hill? You know, are we going to see that again? The silver lining for Virginia is that it's at home. If this game was in wake, I would almost guarantee a dub for Wake Forest, uh, but it's on the road or it's on the road for them, home for for Virginia, and they just play so much better. That they, they have, I think, the second best home record, second to Clemson. Uh, you know, in the Bronco Mendenhall era at home, so those guys are different there, and, and I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Brennan Armstrong is playing guys at another level right now. He leads the country with 433 passing yards per game. All the while, though, Sam Hartman has his team undefeated and putting up nearly 40 points a game. So I'm excited. It's going to be the first real test for this Wake defense. You know, are they going to be improved from a year ago in the turnover margin? These guys are plus 15 uh, since the start of last season, which is tied with Bama for the best in the country. So I think those guys are going to try to force Brennan into some silly throws. And then the, the UVA pass defense, KG, has to mm. improve. It got scorched earth a week ago by UNC, and then they just could run all over them. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. How does UVA bounce back from that? For sure. And, you know, neither of these teams are known for their defense. Both are known for their offense. This is going to be a high-scoring game. And that's where I think the turnover margin really comes into play, Mac. You mentioned Wake Forest plus 15 in the turnover margin. If these teams are trading shot for shot, scoring drive for scoring drive, whichever team takes better care of the ball, I think is going to have a really good chance. And, I know last year for UVA, when we talked with Charles Snowden, they really tried to emphasize taking the ball away. I think that's what you have to do right now if you're UVA, because you can't stop anyone. So forcing turnovers is your best choice. And then, of course, this is the other difference is Wake does have a rushing attack and UVA doesn't. And especially if Wake gets a lead and they're able to run the ball and run some clock, that could really benefit the Deeks. But I do have some questions, Mac, about the Deeks going on the road for the first time all year, like, it's September 20-something, and y'all have just been chilling at home, playing cupcakes. <laughs> yes, Florida State, you're a cupcake. This is the best team they've played this year, and they got to go on the road. That that generally is not a good combination. It's going to be kind of a wake-up call early. You know what you don't want to get into the situation? A wake-up call. You like that? 
Come on. I've got I've that got my really well I've got done. my dad jokes on in episode 100 right now. Uh the interesting tell us something? No, no, no. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> um the interesting thing is going to be, you know, does Wake Forest start off quicker than a Virginia Tech did at Morgantown? You know, do can, do they get behind early and then is it just too much for them to overcome? I think that's what's going to be really interesting to see. You're going into an environment that's not your own. You're going on the road, you're traveling, a lot of new things for these guys at least for this season. And how do they handle it? The, the the biggest thing defensively for me, when you look at Wake Forest, KG, and, and what they can try to do against UVA, Virginia has no run threat. Zero. Especially if Brennan is banged up and if Brennan cannot you know, really function and, and run. We saw that giant knee brace, knee sleeve, whatever you want to call it, that he had on. Now, it didn't affect them really throwing the ball. He, he still you know, threw for like 800,000 yards. Um, but there's no run game. So if you are Wake Forest, drop Everybody, just run three and see what you can do up front. Try to confuse and disguise coverages, and just hope that you can make Brennan make a make a mistake there. Yeah, and you know UVA's running game is Brennan Armstrong. Like that's that's who it is. So it'll be interesting if Virginia is a little hesitant to run him if he's not a hundred percent. And you know that's kind of UVA's mindset is we're going to put so much on the quarterback's plate, and we're just going to hope that he doesn't get hurt which can be a little tricky at times for the old Wahoos. All right, so give us the keys to this game, Mac. Virginia is a four-point favorite at home. We're going to get to our picks later on, but what are your keys for this game? Yeah, when you, when you look at Wake Forest, it's kind of what we mentioned multiple times here. You have to create turnovers. You have to confuse Brennan. You have to disguise your coverages. You have to force them into giving you extra possessions, and, and I think they can do that. I, I think that they can disguise things, put guys in coverage, and, and get that done. For UVA, it's all about that pass defense. Now, I know, you know, again, Wake is balanced and they're going to run the ball, but these big chunk plays uh, that we saw happen against North Carolina over and over again, if you let Wake do the same thing, it's going to be a similar result. So those guys in the secondary have to turn up and, and really start playing better. Kelly's key, that's me, for this game It has to do with going on the road for the first time with Wake, and we've seen ACC teams throughout this season go on the road, especially in the non-conference. I'm thinking of Virginia Tech and NC State, and early on, they give up points so quickly, and you dig yourself a hole on the road. I do think Scott Stadium is going to be rocking. You can't give up, obviously, a kickoff return like NC State did down in Starkville, but even with with Virginia Tech, you know, you don't do anything on your first couple possessions. You give up 14 points like that. You're down. People are screaming. People are yelling. You can't do that. So for me, it's how does Wake handle going on the road and how is their start? That's my big question for them. Mac, let's get on to our next game here. We talked with Alec Lindstrom, our guy. We hope that he is probably sitting down tonight and enjoying some ribs some ribs that he cooked on his grill. That and maybe do, hold on. Do, do you think that he? Do you think that he brings like an easy bake oven to the hotel with him? <laughs> did you ever have one of those well, yeah. as, a, as a child? Did you have an easy yes, bake? Oven? I did. Yes, My I brother did, did too. Oh, yeah. He could throw down on that thing. So, is there an easy bake version of this thing for Gen Zers? I, I'd be interested to find that out, KG. You know what? There is Mac. It's called DoorDash. <laughs> Facts. That's what it's called. (laughs) But, you know, he says he's been baking with his mom and he's got to keep working on his recipes because his mom's going to critique him. So the grind never stops, Mac, as we know. But Boston College is hosting Missouri. Before we dive into this game, did you see Eli Drinkwitz's comments about this? I did not. 
You no. didn't see it? Oh, Mac. Oh, I'll paraphrase. So Eli's sitting there, a little smug, and he's talking about this game, and he's saying, you know, I have all the respect in the world for BC, but I would rather not go up there. I would rather play a more regional opponent. And, and then at the end, he's smirking, like, so hard, and he goes, I mean, it doesn't really help us with recruiting. When's the last time Missouri got a player from the great state of Massachusetts? And that's the way he said it. And then Halfley responded, and said on Twitter, it was like a quote that um, a beat writer quoted him on, and said, I only saw this because people sent it to me, but if they felt so strongly about this, then he should have just called me and said, hey, can we play in Missouri? Because I'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere. <laughs> and I thought it was a great response from Halfley. Hey, uh, you better win the game, Mizzou. You better win the game. How embarrassing would that be? Not only for your recruits, but uh, all that. Well, man, and you all the recruits get you get out of Massachusetts. That's right. That's right, man. Mm, interesting. I love Twitter, first so, of all. Yeah. It's the best. A little salt, Mac. I like the salt. Mizzou is a two-point favorite. Over-under is at 59. This is a noon game on ESPN2. I always worry a little bit about the away team in a noon game in an environment that should be pretty good, but you know, for a noon game, it might not be raucous. And we know this is the first time that BC's hosting an SEC team since 1987. I guess my—look, Mac— I want to pick BC. All right. I like Alec. I like his teammates. I like his O-line brotherhood. I'm, I'm a big fan, but I'm just concerned if Dennis Grossell can get this done and if BC can have enough of a running game to support him to score enough points because Missouri is going to score. That's my main concern. Can you talk me off the ledge? You know, I, I think what is going to be interesting is you might not need Dennis Grossell. You know, th these Tigers are giving up 270 yards a game. And, and let me tell you something. If this was BC two years ago, I think BC would just flat run them over and, See, and have 400 yards. Because BC has kind of forgotten how to run the ball, at least last year. Yeah, but we've seen Patrick Garwo really step up these last couple of games and, and get some solid yards for him. I think the offensive line is going to take this really personal. I kind of got that vibe from Alec that, okay, it's yeah. the SEC. Okay, well, we're Boston College, and we play really physical. I think they're going to want to demonstrate that. And if they can get some good runs from Patrick, they can get some good runs from Travis Levy. I think that they're going to be able to run the ball at will if they want to. And then it just comes down to, okay, can Dennis just pass enough to keep him yeah, honest and, and to game. manage the game? Exactly. Okay. Look, I hear you, Mac. I, it, let me be clear. If Jerk was playing, if Phil Dracovic was playing, I'd be picking Boston College. There's no, no doubt about that. No question. Grissel has been there forever, and he has had some good games in a BC uniform, but he's not Phil Dracovic. And then when you look at Missouri on the other side, they, as you talked about here, I mean, they love to spread the ball around. They love to pass it. They've had some close calls this year. It's not like they've looked great. They lost at Kentucky, nothing to be super ashamed about. But what have you seen from this Missouri defense? Are they going to be able to get after Grossell? Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, a guy like uh, Blaze Aldridge, who's having a really big year, he's off to a really great start, leading the way, 25 tackles, a, a linebacker has three and a half sacks, albeit though all those came in one game. Um, he's a guy that you're going to have to know where he is. It, it, you're going to have to target him, understand what he's going to try to do, and really just a physical defense, what you expect from an, an SEC type of team. But, you know, Boston College on their defensive side, you know, they're going to be in a challenge because of Mizzou airing it out so much and, and having so many guys who can catch the ball and, and so many different targets you have to pay attention to. But I think that's kind of what this BC defense is being built around. So this could be a really big kind of, hey, check us out, put the nation on notice type game. Yeah. 
if we can see this Halfley defense, this Lukabu defense really step up and, and, you know, defensively, you know, go and win a game. We keep talking about the SEC defense, and I loved Alex's quotes on our Wednesday episode. He's like, I don't care. Do you think of Missouri as an SEC team? I still, I still well, don't really think of you know, them like that. I think of them as a yeah, Big KG, 12 team. You're, you're a Big 12-er, so you, know, you, you think of that. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a southeastern coastal Atlantic person. So, you know, we, we adopted them pretty quickly. <laughs> and I think they won their, their side of the conference like twice and haven't sniffed it since. But, um, yeah, they're, they're in. I, I think of them as that. It's kind of embarrassing when you think about how Missouri waltzed into the SEC East and won it. But anyway. And just, yeah, took it right from everybody. I mean, all right. Okay, so give me your keys here, Mac. What's your key for Boston College and your key for Mizzou? Yeah, it's super simple for BC, and it's really the first thing I said about them. Run the football. That's what you have to do. When you have a team that is giving it freely in in regards to rushing, 270 rushing yards per game they're giving up, BC has to be able to take advantage of it. If this was Pitt, Versus Missouri, I'd be really concerned. Boston College has shown some sort of rushing attack, and and maybe even Dennis gets involved with the run game. So I, I think they're going to be able to do that. If they have 250, uh, 260, then I'm feeling pretty good about their effort. And then for Mizzou, I think they just have to get after and pressure Grossell. And they're really just trying to make him make silly decisions, give them the ball back, and, and just try to confuse him. They'll be in a good spot. Running the ball is is definitely one of Kelly's keys as well. I I okay. I like saying Kelly's keys because it has the alliteration, but I don't like talking about myself in the third person. Anyway, <laughs> so my key for this game, and I think it's really what BC at least wants to be known for under Jeff Halfley. It's what Jeff Halfley's known for. It's the pass defense. How are they going to show up against Basilek for Mizzou? Because Mizzou wants to sling it, and Jeff Halfley wants. BC to be known for its DBs. So how do those guys show up? Can they force some turnovers, help out your unproven backup quarterback, give him some good field position? So I think the the secondary versus Basilek is going to be really important. I love it. All right, Mac, let's get to a game that, I don't know, maybe uh, at the beginning of the season, we weren't sure it'd be on our big four, but it's here. Let's just put it that way. It's right here on the big four. Number nine, Clemson at NC State. This is a 3.30 game on ESPN. I believe the number is down to 9.5, which is a very interesting number here. And I looked this up. Uh, I've, got the last some, time. I've got some trivia for you. Oh, you were about oh. to hit me with trivia. No, go oh, ahead. Oh, man, go we're on the say. right page. We're on the Dang same page. We're this, is what happens. About- this is what happens when you do 100 <laughs> freaking podcasts with somebody. Yep. You, just, you don't even write it on the script, and you both have the secret note to yourself. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. You can have it. You, you said it first. Well, Mac, you should because you played in the game. 58 to zero. That's what happened the last <laughs> time Clemson was a single point favorite against a non-ranked opponent. Everyone, just so you know, not saying it's going to happen here, but that's what happened the last time that occurred. 2015. Coaches got fired. That, that Tears were everywhere. Tears. There was bloodshed. Oh, did you see Coral people Gables. crying? Yeah, it was somebody's wife. I'm not going to throw out who. No, I'm just. Oh. I'm, joking. I'm joking. That was a little upsetting. That was a little. Oh, was a little rude. Sad. But uh, you know, Coach Mark Rick. You're welcome for uh, getting that Miami job, buddy. Mac <laughs> makes people cry. I mean, that's that's what happens. That was dominant. We're talking about Clemson's win over Miami in 2015. That's the last time Clemson was a single-digit favorite versus an unranked team. So that that's interesting if you want to take uh, the spread into account. And Clemson has not lost to NC State since 2011. Mac, you were also on that team. Care to comment? I know you're redshirted. <laughs> I, I was I was redshirted, but we walked into 
Raleigh, seventh in the country, and got waxed. KG, they scored 27 points in the second quarter. Oh it gosh. was I remember. berserk. It was terrible. Clemsoning. Yeah, that's what that's that what was. That's what it was, right? Gosh, David Hale, if you're listening to this, I hate you for bringing it up my senior year. And But it was funny when Coach Sweeney like roasted you in front of me. Oh, everybody. yeah. That <laughs> love actually you, was love really you, David. Funny. Sometimes David Hale, he sacrifices himself for the good of the quote, and (laughs) we love that. He does a great job with it. He does a great job with it. But this is going to be an interesting matchup. This is going to be a great game. When you look at it and and you see uh, the the individual battles, the the struggling offense of Clemson, a great defense by NC State, an elite defense by Clemson, and a NC State offense that's trying to – you know, find its way against inferior opponents looks really, really good. And then against a Mississippi State, you know, kind of stalled out. So really just figuring out who are we going to see show up, you know, and and we saw, I think it was a good thing that, you know, NC State had kind of a, a lesser opponent to kind of figure out, okay, who are we going to be without um, Peyton Wilson? Who, who's going to step up and, and really fill that role? I think it was great that they played a team like Furman first. So it wasn't kind of trial by fire against Clemson. Uh, But, you know, interesting to see, number one, how the Wolfpack attack Clemson. How much can they replicate what Georgia did? How much can they replicate what Georgia Tech did? And then does Clemson start to click? You know, at the end of the day, these are kids. And these are 19 to 22-year-olds that it's going to happen. You just don't know when, where, or how. Yeah, and that's what Dabo Sweeney said in one of his press conferences this week is DJ Uyunglele is so talented that he's going to put it together. It's just a matter of when. And, Mac, I heard you were talking with our good friends, Grace Rayner at The Athletic, Matt Connolly at ClemsonSports.com with On3, and they were asking you to walk them through some of the O-line plays. And basically your conclusion was, yes, this O-line is struggling, but – if you actually know what you're looking at and you're breaking down plays, it's A, things are fixable, and B, it's not all on the O-line. Maybe a little less than some people think. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's correct. And, and it's such a hard position, guys, for everybody listening to this. O-line is, number one, the hardest position to break down live because it, it's so hard to see five guys at once. And then number two, when you can break it down, if you don't know the call, if you're not familiar with the calls, if you're not familiar with the game, it's hard to tell like whose fault is it? Because there's some things like imagine this, KG, we're, we're doing five man protection. We have the five there. There's six men at the line of scrimmage and somebody comes through scot free and hits the quarterback. Well, of course, everybody's going to say, oh, yep, offensive line's fault. Those dummies, what are they doing? Well, actually, it was the running backs guy or actually that was the quarterback's hot read. He has to throw the ball. So that they can only do what's in the system to do. We, we, we as offensive linemen can, can only do so much, but certainly not saying that, that what they, the, the level that they are playing at is to the standard because it's not. And Matt Bockhorst went you know, to the media, said that, and, and defended his players, but also took kind of blame there. Um, but yeah, th- these guys are going to figure out. Uh, it, it's young players, a, guy, a young freshman. I mean, at left guard that his head's just swimming right now. And NC State's going to try to take advantage of that. Uh, so you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to go. And then a quarterback like DJU, the talent is n- unquestionable. The physical assets are unquestionable. Mentally, you have to settle down. You have to play ball. I was going back and watching that Boston College game, the Notre Dame game. He's just a different person. And surely there's a difference in when you're quarterback one and when you're quarterback two and can play free. 
that there's a lot of stuff on his shoulders, but the accuracy accuracy issues are still there. The touch was cleaned up a little bit. I think that's fun to see that he was throwing the ball, you know, differently to guys. He wasn't just rocketing in there. Uh, but he, he's going to figure it out. It's just a matter of when. So when people say, "Can NC State replicate what Georgia Tech and what Georgia did?" I want to start with that, but I also want to throw out the idea that. Clemson is going to try to replicate what Mississippi State did because Mississippi State stacked the box and said, all right, Devin Leary, go beat us, and he didn't. So I I think really what this comes down to is Clemson will probably hold NC State to 10, 14, something around there. And this is the question we're asking, Mac. Can Clemson score three touchdowns? That's the biggest thing. And and I think, yeah, one thing I want to touch on there before talking about Clemson or the, uh, the NC State defense um, Clemson's defense isn't replicating anybody. They, they are elite. They're going to do what they do. Exactly. But that's, yeah, I'm just saying sure, it as for the sure. parallel. And, and get you know after I mean? the, the quarterback, show him crazy things. Those guys are, are going to be ready. So I hope the NC State offensive line is. I love those guys. I can't wait to watch that individual battle all day. Big Icky against Miles Murphy is going to be fantastic. Uh, in the center with, uh, you know, big Grant Gibson and, and going against uh, Trey Williams. Uh, or or Brian Brzee is going to be a long battle all game long. Uh, but then when you look at NC State, what I mean by can they replicate it, you know, Georgia ran two-man all game long pretty much, and, and that killed DJ. It confused him, couldn't do anything. DJ has shown that he will run the ball since then, so I, I would think that if he sees that, he'll be like, okay, I got to go, I got to run. And then when you do what GT did, you've just got to be able to run the football. Uh, it, it's very similar but different in the fact that if you're going to put eight people in coverage, we've got to go. We've got to target correctly. We have to communicate. And as an offensive line, pick up the necessary people and let our running backs and quarterbacks do what they do best. All right, Mac. Let's talk keys here for this Clemson-NC State game. We know that Dave Doran has never defeated Clemson as the head coach at NC State. What are your keys? For Clemson, it, it's simple. Protect DJU. Make him feel comfortable. Let him feel that he has time that he can throw the ball in and make big-time plays. We, we've seen it. We've seen what he can look like when he is protected. I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Clemson. And then with NC State, you've just got to be able to move the ball. You, you can't get stuck on your side of the field. You've got to score some type of points. You know, offensive touchdown hasn't been done on Clemson yet, hasn't been scored on Clemson yet. But can you move the ball, play the field position game, and then just score enough to where maybe you, you, you feel really good about your chances? My key for this one is – let DJU play. I think against Georgia Tech, it was really dumbed down, and we talked about it. And against South Carolina State, too, because you weren't trying to show much, and you were just trying to get out of there without anyone getting hurt. But here's the thing. If he throws a pick, he throws a pick. Like, your defense is going to be fine. Your def- if, if he throws a pick, as long as it's not, you know, on the one-yard line or something crazy, your defense can probably hold them to a field goal. Now, I know the pick six against Georgia was a little bit of a scarring situation, but He's so talented. Like, don't don't put him in a box. Let him play. Let him make some mistakes, but also let him make some plays. I think Clemson is going to do that. I think the plan against Georgia Tech all along was we don't want to show much. But you're going to have to do more than that against NC State. So my plan is to let let the kid play. <laughs> I love that, and, and I think that's I think that's a great point. And, and hopefully we see it. Hopefully it's a collective effort. You you went back and uh, you know we're talking about that conversation with with Grace and Matt. And and I just had, you know, three or four pages of notes, KG, where it's just different guys not on the same page. So let's 
Figure it out. Get an offensive performance. If you're NC State, take advantage of that. Don't let the Tigers feel good. Don't let them be confident. Get them uncomfortable and make something happen. The only thing I know about this game is it's going to be great. I know the fans missed this game a year ago, how you know personal this rivalry is. Um, it, it's going to be great to see, and you're know, really interested to see what that crowd looks like. If it was a night game, I know what it would be like. With it being at 3.30, it's all kind of on the edge. It, it could be really, really good, or it could be a little disappointing. So Wolfpack fans, if you're listening, a little bit of a challenge here. Show up and uh, you know try to help out your Wolfpack. And, you know, try to give Clemson a taste of the medicine you had to take in Starkville. If you can score early, if you can make a big momentum play early, then, you know, this Clemson team has shown the propensity at times to panic because they're so young and they're so unexperienced. So if you can steal that momentum early and get your crowd really into it, I think that's that's a real recipe for success for NC State. I agree with you, KG. All right, we're going from 3.30 on ESPN to 3.30 on ESPN2, the Cards and the Seminoles. What channel should this game be on? Uh, I think that's good. I mean, I would love it if it was Nick on our Jr. network. <laughs> Nick Jr. No, you know, I, I'm feeling Louisville a little bit right now. Okay, all right. I think this game could be interesting. A little bit of a rivalry. Louisville at Florida State. Louisville's a two-point favorite on the road. Now, we've heard that Jordan Travis is a little banged up. So if Mackenzie Milton is not playing well or whatever, they might go to Chuba Purdy. Now, I'm just, I'm concerned, Mac. I'm concerned about Florida State from a mental standpoint, from a uh, how's the locker room standpoint, how much pride do you have? It's just like you can throw out all the X's and O's, but it's going to be really tough for me to pick FSU even though they're at home. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, the the Knowles are – off to an 0-3 start, their worst start since 1976, the first year that they hired Coach Bobby Bowden. And, and so really just a full circle moment uh, w- with kind of where they are, kind of going back to ground zero, if you will, before this amazing dynasty took off and, and had one of the best runs that we've ever seen. When I'm looking at Louisville, I, I am very interested to see, you know, where is Cunningham? Was it just cramps that he was dealing with, with which they said – on the broadcast about 50,000 times, you know, cramps. It didn't look like cramps to me. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but it, it it looked like maybe a little bit of an injury. If that's if he is injured, you know, how much does that play a part in the game plan? If it's not, then I think he has to play lights out. It's just he is the Louisville offense. He is everything for this team, running the ball, passing the ball, the decision-making. So I, if that's the case, I expect to see him play really well. And, and the only critique that I have – you know, of uh, Cunningham, except for being just more consistent throughout, is just would like to see him throwing more TD passes. He has like six rushing, which is great and what he does, but would love to see it through the air a little bit more. And it's been really fun, you know, to see Jalen Mitchell running back and, and tight end Marshawn Ford starting to turn into the stars. Uh, so offensively for Cardinals, that's what they need to do. FSU, I mean, it's it's tough. I don't know how much worse it can get other than continue to lose. Uh, we've seen flashes of greatness from Travis and from Milton. But as you said, you know, if, if both guys are banged up or, or if just Travis is banged up, what do you do? Because, you know, we saw that greatness and then it just fizzles out. And it's almost, as you said, KG, whoever starts does terrible. And, and so it's it's a very weird predicament to be in. I'm worried too, Mac, because they've lost both games at home. Obviously, the Notre Dame game, the crowd was really behind them. But I'm worried it could turn in this game if you don't play well early. And I hate to see student-athletes in that position, but I I just don't think the crowd's going to help much. 
I think it might hurt. You know, sometimes we've seen these FSU teams of late. They play a little better. They play a little freer on the road because they don't have to worry about the disappointment. But, of course, that didn't. That wasn't true at Winston-Salem. I'm just not sure Florida State can score enough. Like, Louisville's going to go out there and score. I agree. They're going to score points. And I, I'm not sure FSU is going to be able to do that, Mac. Give, give me your keys for this one. Yeah, for Louisville, it's just continued to be explosive on offense and score. As you just said, Florida State cannot keep up. They just don't have the firepower you know, to do so as of post-Notre Dame game. Uh, so I think that'll be the key. Stay consistent, Louisville. You, we've seen it. You can do it. Just do it consistently. And then for Florida State, defensively, you have to contain Cunningham. It starts and ends with him. Kind of like the, the you know, you cut off the head of the snake mentality. That's the the key here is you you have to stop him. Everything else will crumble. I agree, Mac. I think my key for this game is kind of a, a key for Florida State. I was talking about the crowd you got to get off to a good start. Otherwise, knowing you, knowing your culture, it's not going to be good. And knowing those fans, they might just peace out. So I think FSU's start is really, really important in this game. And that's a 3.30 game. At least it's not a noon game because I feel like the crowd would be virtually, I mean, rolling in maybe at 2 o'clock or something. Okay, KG, before we get to the speed round, it's time for our Seaside Grown Fresh Picks of the Week. Seaside Grown comes from a rich 120-year history of family-owned sustainable farming in South Carolina's low country. Guys, my Seaside Grown shipment came in last week, and my tailgate, we were living, okay? We had the salsa. The salsa was so good. I got multiple compliments. I tried. I really wanted to say I made it myself, but I didn't. I didn't lie. It was from Seaside. And then they have these excellent jams. My husband is obsessed with the blueberry jam now. Oh, so good. He put it on his hamburger. I guess people do that. And we tried the peach bourbon barbecue sauce. So good. Chef's kiss. Oh, it was just delicious. And they're known for their Bloody Mary mix as well, packed with two pounds of the family's fresh grown tomatoes. And they have so many other things. They have more barbecue sauces. They've got their fish dust. They've got everything you could need for the tailgate. And I was the queen. I was the MVP of the tailgate this weekend because of my Seaside Grow products. I love it, KG. Well, you mentioned that Bloody Mary mix. There are a ton of things that set Seaside Grown apart from other Bloody Mary mixes, but one of the biggest to me is how fresh it is. They literally pick them, and within 24 hours, they bottle them, label them, and then ship them for your enjoyment. Now, that is fresh. Not many other manufacturers can tell you where their products come from, all the while Seaside Grown can tell you down to the acre where their tomatoes are jarred and grown. Do yourself a favor, guys. Go to SeasideGrown.com, browse their amazing 19 true field-to-glass products, and when you load up your cart and are ready to check out, use our code ACC15 to save 15% on your entire order. Okay, Max, speaking of picking tomatoes, let's pick some college football games. Come on. Our first game here, Wake at Virginia. Virginia's a four-point favorite. What are you thinking? Man, this is tough for me because I want – Wake to be great. I want Wake to find a way to to just shock the world. But Brennan Armstrong, I think, is going to be too much. Outside of an injury to him, I'm putting an asterisk next to this because if he's banged up bad and somehow is limited in this game, I'm flipping to Wake. But I think that he's going to light him up. I think the the numbers, the over-under, the spread, I'm taking Virginia with the points. I'm taking the probably the over, honestly, and thinking that Brennan is, is just going to continue to light up the ACC. Look, we love you, Wake. I think Virginia is the pick here just because 
it it feels like every ACC team this year is going to find a way to lose a game like this, like Wake Forest. You know, is is Wake Forest going to be four and zero? What makes more sense, Wake Forest four and zero, or Virginia two and two, or three and one? More like three and one, and they're going on the road for the first time. And I think Brendan Armstrong is that special. I'd love to pick Wake, but I think this is a game where they probably come back to reality a little bit. So I'm taking Virginia. Boston College hosting Missouri. Missouri's a two-point favorite. What are your thoughts here, Mac? Well, it's probably going to come back to bite me, but uh, I think Boston College is going to show up. I think they're going to be physical. I think they're going to run the ball effectively. I think Dennis Grossell is going to do enough to win this football game. And I think those those comments that were said that you just read to me, I think that's going to be in every single person's locker room. And if it's not, uh, Coach Halfley, I'll send you a text right now and tell you, put it in every locker because that should fire these guys up. I'm going Boston College. Give me the points and give me the under. Interesting. I like the under as well in this game. Mac, I said it before. I'll say it again. And I, I love BC. Alec is my dude. Big fan of that guy. If Jerkovic was playing, I'd pick BC. But I'm sure Grossell is going to be serviceable, but there's a reason why we talk about Jerkovic all the time, because he's that special. So I think because he's out, Missouri wins the game. Mm, good Coach game. Mark Rick strategy the there. Just 12. pick the SEC team. I, I'm, I'm digging that. They're a Big 12 team, Mac. Oh, I picked a Big 12 team me. last week. I picked West Virginia. That's right. And that was mainly because of Morgantown and, and Virginia Tech having to come back down did you pick? Did you pick Big 12 team UCF last week? Were they even on the pick? I don't think they were. But. We, we should have put that game on there. No, I didn't. It was a good one. Smart. I did not pick. I, but I liked that Big 12 ACC challenge. That was fun. Okay, <laughs> number nine, Clemson at NC State. Clemson's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, Mac. What's your pick? This one is is going to get interesting. And, and I what was so almost a guarantee by me was when the over-under was coming out, I said, I guarantee y'all it'll be below 50. And here we are sitting at 47. I think Clemson finds a way to pull it out. I still like the the points number here. I think I'm going to push uh, just because that 47 number is kind of where I think it's going to be around. And I don't know if I like the points either, the, the spread there. So I'm going to take just Clemson in a straight pick them. So I'm taking Clemson as well. I think you have to look at history think you have to look at the fact that Dabo does not like Dave Doran and so there's going to be maybe a little more added fire here and I think these Clemson players are tired of getting beat up it's it's time to put it together and I think that the playbook will be opened up a little more you're going to see a little more creativity and this defense is just so good like I said I'm not sure State's going to score more than 14 and I think Clemson can score 24 I I would almost I don't know I flip, I'm flipping back and forth on the spread I'd have to, you have to ask me Saturday, like at three o'clock, but I'm almost <laughs> After leaning a more. Seaside grown Bloody Mary. Yeah, yeah, that would help. I'm almost leaning more Clemson to cover, but I don't know yet. But I'm taking the Tigers. Okay, and the last one, Mac, Louisville at Florida State. Louisville's a two point favorite. I'm taking Louisville. I'm taking, I think they'll win by way more than two points. Uh, that, that number is interesting, 62 and a half. Um, I'm probably going to take the under there. Not sure if, if Florida State's going to be able to score that many points. I just I have no faith in FSU. I think this is a fade FSU pick. But I also I do think if Jordan Travis can play, you need to stick with him. And and I said Mackenzie Milton two weeks ago, but Jordan Travis did. He's the one that almost won the Notre Dame game. I mean Mackenzie Milton came in, but I do think Travis is your guy if he can stay healthy. But I'm taking Louisville. It'll be interesting to see. All right, KG, let's get to the speed round. I'm going to kick it off with Friday Night Lights. How about Liberty three and O? Honestly, an honorable mention ACC team at this point. Going to the Carrier Dome, Syracuse, who's 2-1. and one. That'll be tonight, 
8 p.m. ACC Network. Listen, Malik Willis, if you haven't heard the name, tune into this just because of him. He he is instant television, an instant highlight. is really going to be fun to see how he attacks the Syracuse team and how Syracuse is going to try to defend him. Uh, he's a really dynamic player that can kill you with his legs and his arm. The one bright spot for Syracuse has been Sean Tucker. He, he has been electric, rushing for nearly, or over, excuse me, 120 yards per game. They just need to feed him, KG, over and over and over. I agree, Mac. Let's talk about number 21, North Carolina, playing Georgia Tech in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, 7.30 p.m. on ACC Network. Roy Philpott is on the call for this one. He is a Graham Luck and Matt Klain podcast alum. We love that guy. You know, I think this game is going to be interesting. The number at 12, I'm taking North Carolina to cover. I think they're starting to really vibe offensively. And I like what we saw from Georgia Tech last week, but I think a lot of that was Clemson playing terribly. And I do think, Mac, I'm concerned because Georgia Tech, in the way they've talked about the Clemson game, they've talked like they've won. They, They did not win. And... I, they put so many eggs in that basket. I think they're in for a letdown spot against North Carolina. I would take the heels to cover. I like that. And I think the Tar Heels are going to just keep rolling. I mean, we, we heard, and some people this week asked me, is this a trap game for North Carolina? They already had that trap game when they got embarrassed by Virginia Tech. They're not going to let anybody sneak up on them. Uh, so let's move over to Duke, the pride of the conference. Can they do it? Two weeks. Mac, they in got a row. it done against Northwestern. We, we got to give them they, credit. We, we didn't pick them, and honestly, that might be my new strategy: is I just pick against you know these ACC teams, and then they win. Like it's a reverse kind of curse type thing. But I'm not doing that here. I'm, I'm going with Duke. I think you win this football game. Four o'clock ACC Network Saturday. Cannot wait to watch it for the love of the ACC. Duke win this football game. Gunnar Holberg, keep being who you are. Keep playing efficiently, effectively, and then hey, just hand that rock off to Mateo anytime. You need some big yards. He'll get it done. I think Duke will cover as well. I like that. Come on. Pants is that bad, friends. (laughs) They're that bad. Um, Pittsburgh, New Hampshire. I wish you could see my face. (laughs) Pittsburgh, get your hind parts in gear. Come on, Pitt. (laughs) Good. I need to see defense. Next game, I need to see defense from Pitt. But Virginia Tech, they're going to play against Richmond, another team that needs to bounce back big. That'll be on noon on ACC Network. And then Miami versus Central Connecticut. This game could be interesting because of a couple of reasons. Miami and Derek King might not play. He's banged up. We saw that he was questionable. And I think if that's even the case, KG, you don't play him. I think that he rests this game. There's no reason to play him. And it'll be a nice little glimpse in the future seeing Garcia run out there, see Van Dyke run out there, whoever you decide to really roll with. And maybe it's both of them you know, in the game. It'll be a nice snapshot moving forward of what Miami could look like. Just look better, Miami. Just tackle your well, <laughs> tackle the other that's, guy. That's a that's a big one right there. Just just tackle somebody. Tackle the other guy. Guys, it's Friday. It's the 100th episode. It was so much fun. Thank you, Richmond Weaver, for the fun mashup at the at the front end. Everything that you do for us, guys. If you haven't already. Go over to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. But until next time, we'll see y'all.